0: What leading fraud and breach trends should banking institutions be focused on in 2014? Here, distinguished Gardner analyst, Aviva Leighton, offers her take. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. Aviva, if you had to step back and share with our audience the top three cybersecurity threats that you see for 2014,
1: what would they be? Uh, Tracy, I think the first top threat that we need to think about in this coming year is insider threats. Uh, There's more disgruntled employees uh, and there's more opportunity for them to commit fraud with outside parties. So insider threats is a big one. Social engineering is becoming bigger as we speak. Uh, You know, the bad guys are finding more defenses at institutions with online commerce, so they're taking advantage of call center representatives and other employees through social engineering techniques. Um, And the third continues to be data breaches outside the bank's control. So this is anything from a breach against a retailer, an ATM machine, or even a customer. So those are the top three, social engineering, insider threats, and breaches outside the bank's control.
0: And Aviva, how well prepared would you say banking institutions are to weather and defend themselves against these types of threats?
1: I think the largest financial institutions are very well prepared. There's always more that they can be doing, especially when it comes to -to end-to-end processes, getting all the organizational units aligned. But typically they have enough money and manpower to keep the criminals at bay. What I worry about are the smaller institutions, the smaller banks and credit unions that are dependent on their online banking processors or their core processors and their security services are hosted. Uh, And I don't think there's enough attention being paid to their security by their service providers and they don't have the resources to put it in themselves. So, I think it's, you know, the big guys are in pretty good shape. It's the small guys that are going to have serious challenges Where would you
0: say, Aviva, that banking institutions are not paying enough attention?
1: I don't think they're paying enough attention to insider threats and privileged user access. Uh, Sometimes it's actually the privileged users that are committing bad acts, but sometimes it's these bad guys that get in with advanced persistent threats and take over privileged accounts. So there's not enough attention around monitoring those accounts, controlling them, Again, not enough around insiders. And thirdly, there's a lot of monitoring and fraud detection systems in place, but there's not enough attention being paid to making those smarter. So if you're a large financial institution, you could be getting, you know, 20, 30 million security alerts a day, and that may even be a low number for some of them. They could be getting hundreds of thousands of data loss prevention alerts, for example. So that's just too much for any human organization to monitor. So there needs to be more attention paid to eliminating those false positives and making the system smarter through analytics. Aviva, in recent
0: months, you've talked a great deal about the failure of authentication, especially authentication that's based on knowledge-based questions, better known as KBA. Why would you say, Aviva, that this authentication is failing? And if it is failing, why are institutions still using it?
1: It's failing for two reasons. Number one, it's well documented now that the criminals are inside some of the data aggregators and are just stealing the information and selling it on the black market. So, essentially, data confidentiality is dead. The bad guys can get anyone's PII data that they want now. It's already out there. The other reason why KBA is failing is because good people can't answer many of those questions because the public records are just not clean. There's you know mixed up records. There's also people that don't have enough information if they're students or new immigrants. So KBA is pretty much uh, failing for 15% of the population on average. Uh, and as we said, the good guys are suffering because they can't answer the questions and the bad guys are stealing the data so they get through perfectly. The reasons why financial institutions still use it is because there's no easy alternative. So they know that these issues exist uh, but they just kind of hope that they'll go away or they're not that detrimental and they'll be able to deal with it or they'll be lucky and a criminal won't take advantage of them, Uh, but they are starting to look much more aggressively at alternative options. Uh, I don't think anyone who's aware of these breaches is just sitting back and saying, let the chips fall as they may." They are looking for alternatives, but it's just not an easy solution.
0: So do you see banking institutions changing the ways they handle authentication in
1: 2014? Definitely. I think especially among the large institutions, there's Uh, Talk and some action, actually, about continuous behavioral authentication. And that's really what's needed in any sector. So, for example, we see this in our uh, public life all the time with the Navy shooter. He was given credentials, but nobody kept up with him. He had some issues, and no one went back and took away his security clearance. Uh, It's the same thing with users and customers. You may give them an account and they look okay, but things change. Their lives may change. They may go bad. They may sell their account to someone. We all know authentication methods can be beaten, just black and white authentication, for example, a token or a a smart card handshake. So the way to address that is through continuous authentication. It's just not a one-stop It's not like you give someone an account and a credential and you're all set. You have to continuously watch their behavior, watch everything you can about how they navigate, how they use the endpoints, how they use your institutional account. And that theory is actually in practice in a couple of places and certainly something I hear the large, more sophisticated banks talking about. I think for smaller banks, they don't have the luxury of putting in behavioral analytics because this costs a lot of money. So, I think they'll start considering more out-of-band authentication uh, and using mobile phones to identify people. You know, in sum, the way that banking institutions are changing is behavioral analytics, continuous authentication among banks that can afford it, and using mobile as an identifier for those who can't and can, you know, so I think mobile will become much more important for authentication
0: can you elaborate a little bit on how the mobile device would be used to authenticate an online banking user, for instance?
1: Sure. There's this concept called mobile ID. So your mobile phone becomes your credential. And in order to do that, your identity is bound to the phone through a credential, like a certificate or even a password, and preferably also a biometric. So let's say Tracy has an account with Bank X, Bank X will give you this little application to download and they will register you and your phone and then they will ask you, for example, to record your voice or your fingerprint and put in a password. This is just one example of how it can work. And now your identity is bound to that phone. So now when you log into to your bank, you log in with your phone, some code is transmitted to the bank, so they know that it's you coming from your phone. They may ask you to speak your voice. The theory and actually the practice that's being rolled out there is you can use that same credential to log into another account, let's say your brokerage account or your retail account. So There is an alliance called the FIDO Alliance that has this scheme called Federated Authentication using mobile devices as authenticators. So there is a standard emerging, but more importantly, there are vendors already doing this, and there's customers that are very interested in it. It just makes a lot of sense because mobile opens up a new world for authentication and for capturing human characteristics. So I think we will see that take off in the next three years. Where would you
0: say most of the authentication investments will go? Into what kind of emerging technology do you think banking institutions are going to make their greatest investments?
1: Pretty much a summary of what we just spoke about, behavioral analytics. So that may sound a little counterintuitive as an authentication investment, but it is an authentication investment, and it's an identity assurance investment. So it's constantly authenticate and watch the behavior. I think there will be investments in biometrics, both voice biometrics for call centers, uh, moving that to mobile. And I think very promising technology called behavioral authentication, which is a form of biometrics that's uh, measuring the person's keystrokes, how they hold the phone. This has failed in the past, but I think the technology is getting better and people are really interested in it. And then third, this mobile ID we talked about, using your mobile phone as an authenticator.
0: Aviva, how would you say fraudsters have perfected their social engineering skills in the last year to bypass traditional authentication methods?
1: They've done a few things. Number one is by stealing this data, PII data, data brokerages. They're able to answer questions when a customer service representative is trying to authenticate them before proceeding. So, when the bad guy calls the call center, the rep will say, let me ask you a few questions to make sure it's you, and the criminal can successfully answer those now. They're also hiding behind anonymizers, so they hide the originating phone call number. So, they'll pretend to be calling from California Many banks use caller ID to help them verify a customer, and now the bad guys know how to disguise their real phone number. So those are two technical steps they're taking, stealing information to answer questions and hiding their originating phone number. Beyond that, they're not really the best social engineers that you would think they are. I've listened to some of these recordings, and they will just get on the phone with a customer service rep who'll say, okay, if you want to move some money, you have to answer these questions. Uh, And I heard a recording the other day where a CSR was saying, so what city were you born in? And the bad guy was saying, um, uh, can you move to the next question, please? And they couldn't even answer where they were born, but you end up with these service reps that are trying to please the customer That's the other thing I didn't mention is the bad guys figure out who the nice service representatives are and keep calling them back. They figure out how to navigate the call center to get to these nice agents. So it's not like they're the most brilliant social engineers. They just take advantage of nice people, and they have enough information, just enough to get by.
0: Aviva, are there other areas such as call center fraud that banks and credit unions are expected to be more focused on in the coming year?
1: Yeah, I think that banks will be more focused on mobile and on insider threats. Snowden really raised the profile on insider threats. I know that was government, it wasn't banking, but it's just made everybody much more aware that they've got to do more to look for insider problems. And sometimes that's as simple as changing default passwords. Uh, When it comes to mobile, there's a lot of different steps that banks have to take to protect their mobile applications, and they're just, learning about those steps now. The big banks know about them, but most financial institutions just don't have the resources to protect these mobile applications as fully as they should. But I do think that we'll see that change because it's becoming so prevalent to engage in mobile banking now. So to sum up, I think the areas uh, that we'll see banks focus on is insider threats, and mobile computing
0: aviva what about data breaches and these would be breaches that not only target the banking institutions themselves but also breaches that take aim at retailers processors and other parties that could perhaps compromise personally identifiable information or card data how will these attacks be detected and how will the risks be mitigated in the future
1: in general i think we'll see more of the same where Most attacks are detected by outside parties, third parties, like Visa, MasterCard, issuing banks, the FBI. So 80% of the time a company will get a call from one of those parties saying, guess what, you've been breached. Because those companies just don't have the tools to see the breach themselves. So I think we'll see most breaches continue to be detected that way until we get smarter about security. But we also have to pay attention to the people we hire, and I think uh, retailers and processors uh, need to focus on that more. We talked about the insider threat is pretty serious. In fact, I just heard a couple of weeks ago that in the case of Heartland Payment Systems, it was uh, the fact that Alberto Gonzalez was working in their call center. So this is what I heard from a law enforcement agent. Uh, that Gonzalez was a call center agent, and he just walked out with the data every day. So this was not like a high-tech spectacle. This was just a call center employee stealing data. So it just points to the fact that you know the insider threat is very serious, and it could be a very low-tech crime, and you have to pay attention to who you hire and continuously authenticate those individuals. We've talked about the need for continuous authentication, both of employees and of customers. So I think, you know, more of the same, third parties detecting breaches and insiders getting away with pretty much digital murder.
0: Aviva, do you foresee any new regulation or legislation when it comes to cybersecurity
1: threats in the coming year? I don't see Congress passing anything. You know, we had a couple of presidential directives uh, in 2012 and 13 because Congress did not act on the cybersecurity law. I don't see that changing in 2014. I have heard rumors about an update to the FFIEC guidance in uh, Q1, but I really don't have any facts to back that up.
0: And then before we close, Aviva, what final thoughts about fraud trends for 2014 would you like to share with our audience?
1: I think that the most serious issue that banks and all of us face trying to protect assets and data is our open architecture. Uh, There's so many different channels users can come in from. There's so many possibilities that employees can... different activities they can engage in. We're pretty much an open society. The web code is there to be deciphered. Mobile apps are there to be downloaded. We have so many more attack vectors than we used to have. But there is promise, I think, with big data analytics because big data analytics allows companies to get their arms around their data much faster than ever before. And they can finally start just making sense of what's going on across all these different channels and conduits. So I've seen that work pretty well in a few financial institutions, and I think it holds a lot of promise. For example, I talked to one financial institution last week that said they had this big data analytics project that came up much faster than they thought it would, and they actually saw a wire fraud about to take place way before, way before it could be 10 minutes in the world of wires, that the wire system knew about it. So the guys that were watching the big data analytics system saw this fraud about to take place and had to wait for the transaction to hit the wire system to tell the people that were managing that system, oh, here's a fraud, you better stop it. So the big data analytics and the revolution in technology that's taking place in that domain is going to put a lot of pressure on operational systems because as organizations learn to get their arms around data really quickly, in real time, the systems that they've put in place aren't going to be able to keep up that easily. So it's an interesting phenomena, but very promising, and I don't think the bad guys are going to have the last word.
0: Aviva, I'd like to thank you again for your time this morning. Thank you, Tracy. Again, we've just heard from Aviva Leighton of Gartner. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.